bought an inflatable boat, I didn't realize that things needed to be done in a specific order. We saw that the oars were lame, so I needed to buy a trolling motor. But if I bought a trolling motor, I needed a a battery charger. I'd also need a solid floor in the boat to put all of it in. In a similar way, the ministry of Christ, starting with his baptism, needed to be done in a particular, symbolic, scripture-fulfilling way. Because as we'll see this morning in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus does everything in order. Everything in order. Go to open your Bibles. Matthew chapter 3. We're going to begin there in verse 13, Matthew 3, 13. And it says there in verse 13 in Matthew chapter 3, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. Now John's been to the river. He's been baptizing. All of Israel is going down to be baptized by him. Messiah fever is electric in the air. The people sense something big is about to happen. And the stage has been sent, set. We see that John's very words, just a few verses before this, in verse 11, he said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. The message of the herald, John, is to prepare the kingdoms right around the corner. The king himself is near. And John had already said that the Messiah to come is the baptizer. Not with water, but better than that. With the Holy Spirit and with fire. And then he was there. Right there. Now where was John at? He was at Bethany, east of the Jordan. And as we've looked at over the last several weeks, we see that the place is very symbolic. Very meaningful. It's right across the river from Gilgal. You remember what Gilgal is in the book of Joshua? It's where the river parted and the people of God passed over into conquest in the land. Led by the man named Joshua. And here comes Jesus to that same place. Comes to meet with John. And Jesus' name in Hebrew is what? Yehoshua. Joshua. So the new Joshua has arrived. But the new Joshua comes to Gilgal with John to be baptized. The baptizer of fire and spirit is here to be baptized with water? Let's go on to verse 14. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? John would have known the outlines of who Jesus is. Remember that John is a cousin of Jesus. Surely John's parents related the amazing story. What happened? Do you remember what happened with John? Zechariah's father was a priest. He drew straws and it came up the time for him to come into the temple. And as he's in the temple serving, the angel Gabriel comes to him and tells him he's going to have a son, tells him what his name's going to be, tells him who he is in his vocation. He's going to be a great prophet like Elijah. And everybody knew in the first century that when the prophet Elijah comes again, and whoever comes in his spirit, that he's going to be the herald announcing the way of the kingdom and the coming of Messiah. So that's John's father. But what of John's mother? In Luke chapter 1 and verse 39, it says, In those days Mary arose and went with haste to the hill country, to a town in Judah, 
And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth, that's her cousin. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? A couple of things I want you to notice about this. John leaped in the womb. Why does the Gospel of Luke make this point? Why does the Word of God, moved upon by the Spirit of God through the prophets of old, lay down in the Word of God forever that John leaped in his mother's womb? Why? Because he had faith. He had faith. Now, you know you're sitting out there, we're so rationalistic Americans, and we think, how can children in the womb have faith? Well, friends, do you think your babies in the womb can't have a relationship with God? Do they have a relationship with you, parents? Do you talk to the baby? Do you assume, do you know, particularly as mothers, that your baby already has a relationship with you before they come out and enter the world? But secondly, I want you to notice this, that Elizabeth had to have related these stories to John, told him about who he was, knew that he was set apart as a Nazarite, and that he was to be the herald before the coming of Messiah, and knew that it was the child of Mary. So John would have known the outlines of who Jesus is, and Jesus' presence would have been profound. All the Jews are going to be baptized in preparation for the kingdom. They're confessing their sins at the Jordan River. Jesus is the king bringing the kingdom. And Jesus has no sins to confess. And so John can't understand why Jesus would want to be baptized by him. It should have been the other way around in John's mind. The greater should baptize the lesser. But in this case the lesser should baptize the greater. Going into verse 15, but Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. It is fitting. Now it is fitting. There is a Greek verb. It's prepo. It means good, right, and proper. It is good, right, and proper for us to fulfill all righteousness that you, John, Baptize me, Jesus, the Messiah. It is fitting to fulfill all righteousness. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, Jesus is the second person of the Godhead. He spoke the worlds into existence and holds them together. In bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. It is fitting that the second person of the triune God should come into the world and take on humiliation and taking on human flesh. It is fitting for him to walk through the world and to suffer. It is fitting for him to go to the cross. It is fitting for him to suffer. For the Son of God to submit to the sacramental act of the lesser is good and right. And it's something that we've recognized ever since in Christian lands. You guys watch The Crown? You probably see this if you watch old movies about the medieval era. Since Christianity came to countries, and you see this east and west, wherever it goes, you see that the church has a role, that it's the advisor to authority, that it's the one who carries out anointings and consecrations. And so you see when a king or a queen in a Christian land is set apart for their vocation as monarchs, 
It is the church who carries out this setting apart, this consecration. For the sinless Son of God to identify with sinners who need to be cleansed is fitting. It is fitting for the Son of God to be anointed to His vocation as Messiah. Now, a lot of people miss this when they look at the Bible. They don't see it amongst many things. For example, baptism in the Old Testament is baptism in the New. There's baptisms all over the Old Testament. In addition to that, we see that baptisms have the character of an anointing. And what is an anointing? Anointing is power coming down from above and marking a person out to a new way of life, to a new vocation. Oil is poured over the head of the priest. Oil is poured over the head of the king. Water, I believe, is poured over the head of Jesus, setting him apart, anointing him to his new vocation as Messiah. And friends, baptism is an anointing for you too, for everyone, from the littlest of us to the greatest of us. When the water comes down from above, we're set apart to a new vocation in the Messiah. We're set apart as soldiers and subjects of the kingdom without end. Can I hear an amen to that? Verse 16. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. And behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest upon him. Notice the Spirit comes down from above. The Spirit comes down from above. Now notice here in the text it says, immediately he went up from the water. Now a lot of times a lot of hay is made out of that. People think because it says he went up from out of the water, that means that he was under the water, he was being immersed, and he was brought up. And let me say, whatever the mode of baptism you receive, it's not sinful. I think there's a proper way to do it, but it doesn't mean your baptism is invalid. If you've been baptized properly in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, whatever communion you come from, then it's a valid baptism. But here, immediately went up from the water, the word there, the verb is anabino, and it means to go up or ascend. It just means to go up or ascend. It doesn't mean to come up from underneath, but to go up or ascend. I believe Jesus simply ascended the bank. That's what the church has traditionally believed through all the centuries. And then the heavens were opened to Jesus, and John saw it. John saw, and John heard. In John chapter 1, and verse 33, John the Baptist says these words, I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, He upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. So John saw and John heard. John saw the Spirit come down as a dove, and I believe he heard the voice of God. The Spirit here comes in the form of a dove. And friends, this is a new way for the Spirit to come. Now the Spirit comes way back in Exodus. We start seeing percolations of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God goes upon those who craft the implements and the structure for the tabernacle. But from there forth, the Spirit's always coming, rushing upon people with militant, violent power. He comes on Samson in Judges chapter 14, for example. It says, And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and he went down to Ashkelon and struck down 30 men of the town. When the Spirit comes on King Saul, 1 Samuel chapter 11, 
And the Spirit of God rushed upon Saul when he heard these words, and his anger was greatly kindled. And they came in the midst of the camp in the morning watch and struck down the Ammonites until the heat of the day. And those who survived were scattered so that no two of them were left together. The Spirit of the Lord rushed on Saul, and he went out and took the vengeance of God upon the enemies of God. And the Spirit came upon David, 1 Samuel 16. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And we see what David did. David conquers the land. David finishes up the conquest begun under Joshua, in particular conquering Jerusalem and making it the capital of the people of God. The Spirit rushes in violent power upon the people of God in the Old Testament. But notice here. Pretty cool, isn't it? The Spirit comes like a dove. The Spirit comes like a dove. The Spirit here comes peacefully as the dove. What does that bring to mind? Of course it's the flood, right? The doves are offered up as a small sacrifice in the Old Testament law. It's a small creature. It's an inoffensive creature. But the prime motif of the, of the dove is from the flood. And you may remember, God's flood came upon the earth. God's judgment was poured out on the unrighteousness of the earth. It was cleansed completely in His judgment. And when the water began to recede and the flood ended, what happened? Noah sent out the dove once. And it came back. Twice. And it came back with the olive branch in His mouth. And then it went out a third time. A third time. And it didn't come back. A third time. When you see threes in the Scripture, you're looking at death and resurrection. And here we see when the dove goes out, what does it mean? It means peace. It means God's judgment is atoned for. It's propitiated. And now peace comes upon the earth. We see that peace has come and God's judgment is ending. And what is the dove doing when it lands upon Jesus? It means God's judgment is coming to an end. It means peace is coming for the people of God. It means that peace is coming because judgment's coming upon the Prince of Peace on our behalf that we might receive the peace of God. Can I hear an amen to that? Verse 17. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Notice here, the triune God is manifested all at one time and at one place. So when you have the Jehovah's Witness come to your door, this is a good proof text for this. They're going to bring you a funny translation. Take them to the King James Bible instead. And what, is it, what do we see here? We see the Son is baptized. We see the Spirit coming down as a dove. And we see the Father speaking from heaven all at one time. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And the Father loves the Son and is well pleased with Him because the Son was willing to go and empty himself. The Creator takes on fallen creation. He takes on fallen flesh. Flesh that can suffer pain. Flesh that can die for us. The Father loves the Son and is well pleased with Him because the Son at His baptism willingly identified with fallen humanity and accepted His role as Redeemer. He came and was baptized as though He were a sinner on our behalf because at the cross, He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. 
The father loves his son and is well pleased with him because the son will please his father in obedience to death on the cross. But I want to say this, friends. The father is well pleased with those who are united to this Jesus who submitted to baptism. He is pleased with those who are united to Christ. You see, when we come to Jesus in faith, when we come to Jesus in faith, and we are justified, we receive justification by faith, we are declared right in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, not our own works. When we come and are justified, we are united to the Lord Jesus Christ. His righteousness for our unrighteousness in the great exchange, all He has, He gives to us, and He takes our garbage and cleanses it up. When the Father sees us, He sees the Son. He sees the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 says, And because of Him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us the wisdom of God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that it is written, Let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. If you are united to the Lord Jesus Christ, you are united to His baptism. Our baptisms have that echo. Because He was willing to submit and to take our place. We are in Him. And when the Father declares, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased, it's forecasting the time when the Father will say the same thing to us because we are in Christ. You are my beloved Son, my beloved daughter, with whom I am well pleased. Everything at Jesus' baptism and in His ministry is done in order. She's the biggest expert on organization and order when it comes to ordering your house and the possessions in it. Marie Kondo has written books, appeared in her own Netflix show, and was listed as Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People. The Mori method consists of putting everything in order. Like things with like things. Heavily used things with heavily used things. Similar sized things with similar sized things. Because we long for things to be orderly and not chaotic. It's one of the biggest principles that comes out of the Bible. Organization and order, and when it comes to ordering, God's method consists of putting everything in order. Atonement for sin before fellowship with God. The sinless Redeemer assuming responsibility for sinners' sins. Baptism before mission, because we long for things to be orderly and not chaotic. In the Gospel of Matthew this morning, we've seen the importance of everything in order. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessing upon us this morning. May we rejoice in the submission of the Son, and may we likewise submit to Him. Bless us in the week ahead to be mindful of these things. We pray it in Jesus' name.